In his book, Proof of Heaven, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife, Eben Alexander wrote, The science to which I've devoted so much of my life doesn't contradict what I learned up there. But far, far too many people believe it does, because certain members of the scientific community who are pledged to the materialist worldview have insisted again and again that science and spirituality cannot coexist. Welcome to the Soul Podcast. I'm Stacy Wheeler. This quote makes it clear how this neurosurgeon feels about the existence of the soul. And notice how he mentions the materialist worldview. Materialism is a philosophical position held by many inside and outside the scientific community. I talked about this in the last episode. This belief holds up the idea that matter is the fundamental substance in nature. That means all things are made of matter and all things can be attributed to matter. Materialism believes that mental states and consciousness are the results of material interactions, so can't be the result of any other source, such as a higher power or the soul. All things can be traced to materialism. That's the theory. All things can be measured. All things can be documented. All things can be proven. So in this quote, Eben Alexander is essentially telling the scientific and skeptic communities they're wrong, and there is a duality to humans. I'll share a link to his book in the show notes. Check it out. In his book, you'll see a scientific mind transformed. Alexander realized being scientific didn't mean he had to close his mind to the things that can't currently be explained with the scientific model. And you know, there are many scientific theories that are way more outrageous than the idea that we survive the death of the body. I'll talk more about those in an episode later this season. If you listened to the last episode, you heard me talk about the materialist view of science and how modern science planted its roots in the writings of the 17th century philosopher Thomas Hobbes. But materialism is a concept that goes back much further than Hobbes. Around 100 years after the death of Plato and about 350 years before the birth of Christ, the Greek philosopher Epicurus was preaching materialist philosophies long before they were called that. And while Plato argued the existence of the soul, Epicurus argued against it. Stick with me now. I won't linger long on ancient philosophers. This all comes back to the soul. You see, Epicurus believed that with radical materialism, he could disprove the possibility of the soul's survival after death. But he did this with good intentions. You see, some ancient religions had a notion of a place where bad people go after death. These were variations of what we'd call hell. And Epicurus was a sort of philosopher-psychologist. He was interested in the human experience, and he looked at the internal as well as external struggles. Epicurus felt our unacknowledged fear of death and punishment was the primary cause of anxiety, and anxiety was a source of extreme and irrational desires. He felt if we could disprove the prospect of punishment in the afterlife, we could remove some of the fear of death. After all, we'd know nothing and not suffer further if we stopped existing altogether. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, we're born, we live, we die, and we'll be dead, so we won't know. The end. That was his thinking. Surprise, surprise, it turns out fear of death is universally shared by people of all cultures, excepting cultures with a strong belief in reincarnation. In those, fear of death seems much reduced. But Epicurus thought we could logic our way out of our fear of death. Epicurus said, 
Death does not concern us because as long as we exist, death is not here. And when it does come, we no longer exist. Pretty black and white, right? His argument was essentially accept the idea that when we die, there is nothing more. And it will make you happier here on earth to know that. You won't know you're dead when you die. So why worry about it? I'd imagine we'd still have the fear of death, or at least the process of dying. But Epicurus had good intentions. He believed that removing the fear of eternal suffering would also release us to pursue human desires while here on earth. And that would allow people to enjoy greater peace of mind. Essentially, not fearing an eternity of suffering would free us of deep anxieties and would be able to pursue the pleasures which we are naturally drawn. Consider that. Looking back to a time long before Christianity, the greatest philosophers of the most advanced societies were struggling to find answers to questions still troubling us today. They were trying to make sense of our place in this world. And all the while, the great debates were centered around the basic issues of fear of death and, perhaps, our role in the universe. A lot of time has passed, but it seems not much has changed. Have you ever misplaced something, like your keys or your glasses? You go on an exhaustive search, retracing your steps and thinking of different unlikely scenarios where they may be. Is it here? Is it there? You look, but no luck. And eventually, you find it in the most obvious place. I think sometimes this is what scientific and philosophical minds do when they're trying to find meaning. Consider this thing we all seem to feel called the soul. Maybe we've been searching and exhaustively formulating theories while the answer is right in front of us. So let's talk about the fear of death. Dr. Bruce Grayson, who I introduced in the last episode, is a specialist in psychiatry and neurobehavioral science at the University of Virginia. He's been studying NDEs for more than four decades, documenting thousands of cases, and is one of the world's leading experts on the subject. He says one of the consistent things he sees in people who have had an NDE is that the experience profoundly changes their lives, and in ways I'd call beautiful. When talking with Newsweek magazine about these changes, Dr. Grayson said, As a psychiatrist, this is the most fascinating aspect to me because I make my living trying to help people change their lives. That's very difficult to do. But here's this experience that in a few seconds can totally transform someone's attitudes, values, beliefs, and behavior. They typically make people more spiritual, if I can use that word. They make them more compassionate, more caring, more altruistic, and they become much less interested in physical things, in material goods, in power, prestige, fame, competition. And you know, Grayson's also found that seeing that there's another side has also made them lose their fear of death. And like the NDE itself, researchers find commonalities in the after effects. These are the most commonly reported. Loss of fear of death because there's no judgment and there's no hell. An increase in spirituality and a reduction in religious beliefs. A decreased value in material things, power, prestige, competition, like Grayson mentioned. A call to greater things. Life has deeper meaning. People become more outgoing and their altruism grows. An increase in compassion and empathy and an artistic side sometimes emerges. And when they return, there's a greater sense that love is what matters. Many people who have had an NDE find their perspective is so shifted that they have a transformation in their personality. Let's listen to Dr. Grayson about that. First, there are changes in your perception of yourself. You have a loss of the fear of death. 
a strengthened belief in life after death, a renewed sense of purpose or mission, and a heightened sense of self-esteem, of being worth something. And all these points that I'm making here are supported by many, many studies of not only NDEers, but talking to their significant others and repeated over years and years. Second, there are consistent changes in your relationship with other people. Increased compassion and love, less concern for material gain, status, prestige, a greater desire to serve other people, and an increased ability to express your feelings, less inhibitions. Third, there are changes in your attitudes toward life, a greater appreciation of life and greater zest for life. There's an increased focus on the present rather than living in the past or in the future. There's a greater search for knowledge, a quest for learning that goes on decades after the NDE. And there's a greater appreciation for nature and our role in the natural world. And Grayson says these changes seem to be lifelong. He said, this does not go away with time. I've talked to people in their 90s who had the experience as teenagers and they say it's like it happened yesterday, that they've never been able to go back to their old life. People who come back from an NDE seem to quickly understand their place in the world. They consistently report losing their fear of death. They seem to live their lives with greater purpose. They embrace the beauties and pleasures of this life at a higher level. Dr. Eben Alexander is a good example of this. He said, I basically used to have very conventional scientific and reductive materialist view that consciousness was created by the brain and that only the physical world exists. And he added, and what my coma journey showed me is that consciousness is something that is fundamental in the universe and does not originate in the brain. He says, what he experienced was the most extraordinary, memorable, detailed, and ultra-real experience of his entire life. He also said, in fact, the world we live in, this material world, is more kind of cloudy and dreamlike than what I saw on the other side. That world is sharp, crisp, and alive, and very real. And as I mentioned, these experiences usually leave the person without a fear of death. That's how real they seem. Real enough that they come back, and they're not worried about dying. And Grayson talks about this. He said, When you lose your fear of death, you also lose your fear of life. Because you're not afraid of losing everything, you're not afraid to take chances and live life to the fullest. And it makes life much more meaningful and much more fulfilling. So with near-death experience, the end result is the one Epicurus was hoping for. We no longer fear death. Rather than losing our fear because we believe this body is all we are, we lose our fear because we see we are so much more than this body. We see we are so much more than this reality. And our existence is potentially infinite. So why fear death? I find it useful to see what scientific minds think about ineffable experiences once they've experienced them or see the after effects. It wasn't long ago that NDEs were scoffed at by the scientific mainstream, but the research is gaining more support each year. For those locked into the material mindset, only measurable facts will be enough to appease them. Or perhaps having an NDE would change their thinking, like it did for Eben Alexander. And you know, researchers who currently study NDEs, like Grayson, perhaps all they can hope for is that they will present a body of evidence so vast that it can't be ignored. After all, 
how does one prove that we continue after death? You'd have to die, then come back to tell your story, and somehow be able to prove it wasn't a hallucination or a lie, right? As long as there are people committed to skepticism against all evidence, there will be a debate about the afterlife and the soul. But scientific minds seem to shift quickly when they experience the ineffable. The quote from Eben Alexander is evidence of the powerful effect an NDE has on a scientific mind. In his case, it completely shifted his thinking. It removed all doubt. Experiencing an NDE will at the very least cause a person to ask themselves hard questions about their beliefs. Experiencing the unexplainable and the miraculous can have that effect. We can be glad that the materialist view isn't immovable and scientific minds are as human as the rest. It's from this humanity that we got our first research into NDEs, and long before they were called that. As a side thought, is it just me, or are we all guilty of putting more weight into the perspective of those with a higher education? I've noticed a pattern in my life. If a book is written by someone with letters behind their name, MD, RN, PhD, I tend to put more value in what they say. Similarly, when I see a video of a doctor who reports having an NDE, it seems more credible than an average person who's experienced the same thing. Considering Eben Alexander and Bruce Grayson, I, I admit a bias to believe them. The bias comes from the idea that a scientific or medical professional risks professional standing when talking openly about an NDE. You see, they have more to lose than the average person. I've tried to put those biases aside when putting this series together, but I realize that bias may be there for some listeners, and I understand the testimony of a neurosurgeon might be more compelling for you than the testimony of a bookkeeper from Nebraska. But if you notice I lean on more testimonials of scientists and doctors, that's why. So looking back at the opening quote from Dr. Eben Alexander, he said, the science to which I've devoted so much of my life doesn't contradict what I learned up there. But far, far too many people believe it does because certain members of the scientific community who are pledged to the materialist worldview have insisted again and again that science and spirituality cannot coexist. We're beginning to see more scientific minds and doctors accept that the materialist worldview is a box. And scientific theories are starting to break out of that box. We're seeing schools of higher learning disregard self-imposed walls. Each year, more and more are peering over the other side into the vast expanse of the unknown, like the University of Virginia's Division of Perceptual Studies. And open minds and open hearts are asking questions the materialist model won't allow. As they do, our understanding of our inner world starts to come into focus. This esoteric research may never provide scientific proof that NDEs are a view into the afterlife. And it also seemed clear that the rigid scientific model can't prove that they're not. But the evidence in favor of NDEs as unexplainable phenomenon continues to grow. And the explanations and arguments against have stalled, as there seem to just be a handful of unprovable arguments against the idea that NDEs aren't real. So we've seen that the research shows that those with an NDE are likely to return more empathetic, with no fear of death, with more purpose, and embracing the notion that life is about giving and receiving love. Imagine a world where most of us lived that reality. 
Can you imagine a world filled with people like that? While researching this topic, I was surprised to find how common it is to have an NDE. I think you'll be surprised to discover how many people have. I'll tell you about that in the next segment. I'll also tell you a story a friend told me about his out-of-body experience and how he's carried that experience his whole life, trying to make sense of it. So come back for the next episode in the NDE series, where we continue to look at NDEs as evidence of the soul. Thank you for listening to The Soul Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, learned something new, or were just entertained, please tell your friends about the show. This is the best way for people to find the show. Check the show notes for links to supporting information, as well as any books or other reading material related to this episode.